Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Lance Hahn, and today I welcome three guests to the show. Today we'll be discussing parenting teens. We'll be joined by some parents of teens, as well as Bridgeway's very own high school pastor, to talk about these enigmas that God gave us, these teenagers. How do we love them rightly? How do we bond with them, guide them, correct them, and love them? Is there a way to parent our teenagers so there's peace in the house? What role should social media play today in lives of teenagers? We'll discuss all these questions and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Engaging Culture. I'm your host today, Pastor Lance Hahn, and Pastor Brian is out this week, but will be joining us again very soon. So I'm joined today by three guests whom I'll introduce one by one. First, we have my beautiful and brilliant wife, Susie, who's the other half of our parenting crew at home, raising our two daughters. Both of them are teens, so hello to you, hon. Welcome to the program. And I'm also joined by Heather Johnson, both a parent of teens, as well as our missional community coordinator here on staff at Bridgeway, a tremendously wise woman, as well as a treat to work with personally. Hello, Heather. And finally, we are joined together by Bridgeway's high school senior pastor, I just high, high school senior pastor. Yeah, I think you do a little bit more, don't yeah. you? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, our high school pastor, Cliff Woodward, who has been with us for a number of years on staff, but took the reins of our high school ministry solely about, what, a year and a half ago? Is that true, yep. sir? Yep. Uh, and he has a unique perspective, being able to talk to teens behind the scenes and hear all the things that teens say about their parents behind their backs and the things <laughs> that they don't want their parents to know. So welcome, Cliff. Super, super excited to be here. Uh, I would love to know, because we're going to begin with Cliff here, yeah. I would love to know, Cliff, your full name. My full name? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, my full name is Clifford Gibbons Woodward V. Wow. Amen. So, wow. Yes. Wow. Come on. Super wow. exciting. I love that. Yeah. Every time good. I hear that, that sounds good. All right. So, uh, Cliff, we're going to begin with you. So, as I mentioned, you have a very unique perspective. You mm-hmm. don't have teens of your own, but you got a whole bunch of them as a youth pastor, right? So, yeah. what are the one or two things that stood out to you first when you became a youth pastor that maybe you didn't know? Yeah, yeah. Um, One of the first things I think that I saw as I stepped into being a pastor of teenagers was every teenager that I had a conversation with, they were busy. Um, They had a million things that were going on in their life, whether it be school, friends, um, family dynamics, and whatnot. And two things usually came with that, with that busyness is you had stress and you had pressure because stress came with the whole part of being a teenager because you've got a million things on your on your plate. Everybody's like, hey, you need to be perfect at everything, whether it be sports, school, you got to get into the right colleges, yeah. you got to do yeah. all the right things to make sure that you get all the right grades and all that. And then you get home and then there's some teenagers who are, you know, a little bit older, so they help out their parents with their siblings, right? And then they still have to do their homework. And, yeah. and then they come to youth group and every word I hear is, I'm tired, I'm mm-hmm. tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. Now, and a lot of that is because they stayed up until 2 a.m. the night before. <laughs> right, um, right. Which right. I always say that's probably not a good idea, but for some reason they still do it. Sure. But also it's the the pressure that comes with writing yeah. these papers, making sure they get into the right colleges, and really seeing if they can truly thrive as, as being a teenager and getting ready for adulthood. So yeah. busyness is just really just a huge part of it. Oh, that is massive. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, I think off off air, we were talking a little bit about the idea that there's a stigma, right, that that follows teens. Um, I think that, hon, you and I have heard this a couple different times where people come up and they're like, oh, you have teens. And they, they say it in a way like you have now a plague yeah. somehow that has invaded your home. <laughs> Absolutely. And they're like, how are you surviving, right? How do you so do that? Yeah. It, it, there's like this intensity about it. So um, you've experienced right you've experienced oh, that absolutely when our when our kids were little and squishy and cute and everybody would come up to me in target and say oh your your girls are so cute and enjoy them now because later <laughs> you won't like them yeah. and the, you know they were almost a little bit bitter about yeah, it totally. and um, i just remember going home and thinking oh no and and i can't imagine that but yet i i believed what they were telling me but just right from that moment of of trying to learn from parents who had gone before me that were doing it well, that had healthy relationships and what could I glean from them and, and looking for those ways to bond rather than have this kind of chasm between us and them. And and how do we get this sort of team mentality rather than this, you know, calling them teens and that's just the way you are right now and trying to build like I look at it as like we're a team, yeah. And let's how do we build team in totally. our family? Well, Heather, have you experienced that kind of weird stigma? Like, oh my goodness, you have teens. Are you still okay? Yeah. You- well, the funny thing is, I hear it a lot because we host a lot of teens in our right. home, and we've had open doors a couple times, and um, yeah, we're just that house that has a lot of kids, and um, and I have parents that say to me. Oh, how do you how do you do that? You know, use your house just a wreck. And I'm like, you know, actually they're quite respectful. They clean yeah, up after themselves. Right. They're thankful. I mean, they're just so grateful that someone opened up their home and welcomed them. That, I, I, yeah, I mean, my house isn't you know spot. Spotless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. It wasn't that way before they got there. So that's right. Um, but it, I just continually tell people they are a joy to be around. You know, when you're when you welcome them with open arms, yeah. I think some of they're responding to your how right. you feel about them. Right. Yeah. yeah. I right. mean, if you're uncomfortable with them and you're yeah. like, oh, it's a drag. There's scenes in the house. They're gonna yeah. feel like they're not wanted. Totally. You mentioned a phrase, open doors. Not all of our listeners oh, and yeah. viewers actually know what that is. What is that? Um, that is the once a month time when in instead of the youth group on a Wednesday night meeting at the church, we actually break off by age group and meet in homes. So um, we've been hosting the now juniors, juniors, sophomores, and I think we even started when they were freshmen. freshmen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, it's, well, we just love it because I love having them in my home. Um, But I also, it's taught my girls how to, how to host, um, right. you know, because they're there, the ones greeting, they're helping the leaders find things. So one, it gives them a sense of ownership in yep. their own youth mm-hmm. ministry. But two, I feel like they're learning really practically what it looks like to to be hospitable and to yeah. be welcoming and, yeah, and to cool. know, and even just down to the practicals of, you know, putting out paper plates and, you know, it's, it's, it's modeling it and letting them experiencing it on a really entry level. Yeah, um, yeah right. you, you've you always been that way since I've known you, which is um, engaging lives, community, connection, stuff like that, right? And this is another example of that. Um, where did that come from, Cliff? Cause, because I don't, yeah. I don't think that was always how youth group was done, right? No, and it's actually funny that you said that because that was not ever the thought 
when we were, you know, planning on what Open Doors was. Was it right? What it was, it was a couple years ago. Um, Pastor Matt, myself, and Brett Dans were sitting in a room, and we're like, okay, we're talking about the gospel. We're talking about how to share, you know, the love of Jesus with people. How can we do it practically? How can we do it yeah, in a way totally. where we can welcome in new students, where we can welcome in kids who don't really like the church because they have been hurt by the church or something like mm-hmm. that, but they yep. can be welcomed yeah. to do a home That's real. where they're used to, they know what homes are like because they live at a home um, and they have loving people who are there to, to eat food with them, to pray with them, to tell them about this dude named Jesus. Yeah. And uh, it's been a really, really, I think a hit um, with the students in, in HSM because kids look of forward to open doors because they just get to hang out with their friends and and pray and eat food like it's it's all free too which a teenager you use that word free they come running <laughs> they really do amen yeah. if it's not food or free those are those yeah. are wonderful f words to use around teenagers <laughs> yes, exactly and, and uh, I'll, I'll just add that not to say that there's not great challenge yeah um totally. with having teens and it's very very That's very legit different than mm-hmm. those, you know, zero to 10, yeah. 11. And for us having girls, really the teen years start, I feel like at about 11. You don't have to have a teen at the end of that number for that. Yeah, to, that's good. For that to apply. But just as an encouragement to those that are entering in, if you've heard a lot that it's the horror of horrors, you know, just our encouragement that, yes, it's challenging. Yes, it's so hard. Yes, there's days when we don't feel like we're doing it very well. But it's it's not what it was set out, at least to me, to be. Right. Well, that, I think that's being honest, right? I mean, because there are unique challenges. There's things that go yeah. on with teens that are very, very different. And I think with any age group, there's it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time that our little ones got mobile, right? Yeah. So when you first get a little baby, yeah. it's like a plant. It just <laughs> kind of sits there. You water it and you make sure it's okay and clean. And then all of a sudden it starts crawling and you're spending all this time trying to manage and corral this little. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it goes upright and it's a toddler and you're like, yeah. whoa, wait. Right. And they're sticking their fingers in light socket. Yeah. Every age group has unique challenges that are really difficult and also some real blessings. I think that if we could probably have parents go, okay, in the teen years, what are my blessings? Mm-hmm. What yeah. are my challenges? And if we can give them some tools. Right. Maybe that helps out. Right. Um, okay, so let's kind of turn the conversation that way. So I want to talk about building a healthy relationship with our teens. So let's start out first with what are some of the challenges to building relationships with teens? What are unique to teen years, whether that is you know middle school or whether or not that is high school? We happen to have our high school pastor here with us, but we also have a middle school pastor here. Mm-hmm. But, but so... Anybody have any thoughts on maybe what are unique challenges? What What do you think? Uh, what What I see with teenagers a lot is as soon as that word teen is in their age, yeah. they feel entitled to things. Ah. Uh, as soon as they become <laughs> teenagers, they're like, oh, I feel like I should be doing certain things. And right. what I've seen, you know, as as their pastor is, I, I hear conversations about their uh, conversations with their parents a lot, right? Saying like, oh, my parent, I can't believe they understand. They don't understand anything that I'm saying. They don't get me all of this stuff. But in reality, the parents are just helping them understand what adulthood looks like. Yeah. And they they feel like they should decide how they should live their lives fully. Like they're a teenager now. They know what life is all about. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I think many adults and parents could really agree with because you're like these these students think they know it all and parents 
actually do know most of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now they don't do, know it all, right? Um, you know, not everyone's perfect, but um, they come in with this this idea. Hey, I I know it all, but in reality, they don't. So I think that's one of the the biggest challenges. And yeah, yeah. I, let, let me just add, uh, or to clarify that that a unique challenge is that as they grow, they're in a quantum leap of information gathering, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. for example, we're in an era where they know how to get online better than their parents do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, They have access to information. Their information overload makes them think they know it all, but there's not the wisdom and life experience to go with it, which the parent is coming in and saying, I got stuff to bring to the table. And they're like, no, no, no you don't know as much information as I do. And you go, well, whether I know the information or not, I actually know how it works. And before computers, we all survived. <laughs> like we literally <laughs> ate and we, you know, we were successful. So yeah. uh, ladies, any thoughts on that sure. unique challenge? Well, the tendency is you want to solve their problems yeah. for them. And they don't want that from you anymore. You don't get to orchestrate yeah. Their playdates, they start orchestrating all of their social mm-hmm. calendar. They're in charge of their time management. Yeah, that's good. And yep. they are learning to manage that pressure and that busyness. And they don't want to come in the door and have you tell them your way of doing that. They, yeah. they, you know, it's a lot more about just listening. And that can be very hard to, you know, as much as I, I like to listen and I want to empathize and I want to encourage, but until they have gotten all of that out and feel like you have understood and and listened and empathized there's there's no room in there for you to give advice and then sometimes we can say hey do you want any tips about this yeah. would you like to hear my strategy and and after they feel a little bit heard then it seems like we have a little bit more invitation to offer some advice but but they have to figure it out they know a lot they probably already know what you think about their situation, yeah. Yeah. but they're learning to to manage it, and they have to um, have some failures in that, and we have to be okay with that. Yeah, totally. I find the place that I get in trouble, mm-hmm. <laughs> not with my kids, but just where I'm not being the best parent that I can is when I haven't adapted my parenting to the developmental cycle of my kids. Oh, uh, it's brilliant. So, you know, if I'm still being super directive, like I would with a school age child or a right. toddler, then my kids are going to, they're going to resist that because right. they are not school age or toddlers. They are mm-hmm. teens. And so I have to make sure, and, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges as a parent is keeping pace yes. with their maturity because it's like that first year. They Good are point. changing so fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are growing in their character and their competence and their level of responsibility that you have to keep up with mm-hmm. them and look at all the different ways that they're managing that and then respond appropriately. You know, it's like the times that I frustrate my kids are when when I come in kind of you know, guns blazing per se, as opposed to pausing, like Susie's saying, and listening first and trying to figure out where are they at? Um, I think it's, I think it's focus on the family that actually breaks it down into three different categories. And it says that you should be, your parenting should be evolving from rules to advice to Mm -hmm. suggestions, right? You know, it's like that you're moving along a continuum that in the end, right, the goal is to is to launch them effectively yeah. as adults that know how to critical think, that know how to do time management, mm-hmm. you know, that that this is the playground when they're still in our home right. where the cost is is less high. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you know. become much more like a mentor yes. than someone who um, 
comes down real hard on yeah. certain things. You just, it's a lot of listening. Yeah. Everything becomes a discussion. Right. I mean, yeah. we are just talking, 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 talking yes. all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. the, the childhood development part, this is super, super insightful because you don't get a degree when you get a kid. Yeah. That suddenly got a degree in childhood education, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, keeping up with that development, I remember uh, one of my favorite movies back in the day, you'll remember this, hun, which is uh, Father of the Bride, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and there's this funny scene in there when he, his daughter is kind of Steve Martin and his daughter comes to him and she suddenly turns into a little girl and she goes I found the love of my life and I'm gonna get married (laughs) and he's like you remember that and he was like what okay some of us we see our kids at the last stage still Mm -hmm. in our minds so we're acting and trying to do the development yeah. But they're, they've moved on. But at the same time, they're a bit running ahead. So they would like to pick and choose which parts you engage and which parts you don't engage. Mm-hmm. Um, but any thoughts here, Cliff? Yeah, and I, and I totally agree with that. I think that's, I think that's really, really brilliant. I think also what's, what's hard for parents in dealing with, with these issues is at the end of the day, they still are their parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as, yeah. as much as you talk to them and not, as much as you give them advice and, and coach them at the end of the day, <laughs> you are their parent. So they are attuned to not listen to you just because you're not supposed to listen to your parents. That's what society and culture and their friends are telling them. And I think a lot of times we need to, as parents, bring in other people to help out. Um, that's why I, I really believe that teenagers need healthy role models. Yeah, because oh, so good. Even in my life, when yeah. I was when I was a teenager, I my parents are awesome. I love my parents very much, but still, I had my worship pastor at the church I was attending at the time, mm-hmm. who would bring me in to his family and would and to coach me what it looks like to have a relationship with the Lord and really show me, hey, Cliff, you shouldn't make these decisions. You're probably still going to make them, but I'm telling you, hey, this is not not a good idea. Right. And then I'd come home and my parents are saying the same thing. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I should be listening to my parents. Right. Yeah. And, and having these and healthy that's role so models true in life. Good. We all need more than one person speaking into our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You're right. You're yeah. right. Um, I, I want to direct something over to you, Miss Heather, and that is that um, you're a strong believer in community, right? So we're talking about involvement yeah. and yeah. and what is the role? And I want to hear from you as well, Hunt. But this idea of what role, you know, kind of does Cliff play? And I mean, because really, as a youth pastor, some people try to hand their kids over to you, like oh, you're responsible time. for everything. <laughs> yep, all the time. Um, yep. And then there's other ones that want to tell all you pastors what to do. Right? Mm. It's all yep. over the place. That's true. But but. <laughs> Uh, as the missional community coordinator here, one of the reasons why you were so natural to fit into that position, Heather, was that um, you've seen the blessings, you've seen the transformation, right? So yeah, can you talk a little bit about the power of community in teens and development and how youth group may work? I mean, we can go back and forth on all this. Yeah. yeah. What are yeah. your thoughts? Um, I have two. So uh, I'll speak to the the youth group first. Yeah. Um, we, I, I, I just cannot even put into words how grateful I am for the volunteers and, and mm. the paid staff. But I mean, we love you, but the volunteers <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in your ministry that have awesome. literally poured their heart and soul Amazing. into my yeah. girls. I mean, totally. they, you know, and, and it's not like all unicorns and roses, you know, I mean, nope. mm-hmm. some, some leaders, they click personality wise better yep. than other leaders, mm-hmm. but they, yeah. but they know that they are loved and yeah. the, 
the the coffee dates and the converse the small group conversations with those ladies and that they can text them. I mean, it's just invaluable. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I mean, literally, it brings me to tears yep. sometimes mm-hmm. with Absolutely. how grateful I am. That's great for for the volunteers in youth ministry that are investing in the lives of my girls and know things that I don't know, mm-hmm. but I trust what they would say to yeah. them. Yeah. Um. And I, yeah. I I I pretty purposefully try to stay out of it, you know, to let them have those yeah. private relationships, mm-hmm. you know. Um. I really give them that space um, and don't ask a lot of questions. Don't try to grill their leader with what they're learning, you know, yeah, <laughs> right. don't micromanage. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's really just trying to bless that relationship in that space and, and encourage them to, to invest there. That's I'm good. sure you've seen the same oh. thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think of when they go to camp and they talk about their one-on-one time with yeah. their leader. Yeah. And that's one of the things that they look forward to the most at camp. Yeah. Is, is someone just investing in them and listening to them and a lot helping them to feel heard because life is is busy and people are always looking at their cell phones and someone actually looking you in the eye and giving you like guilt free processing I like to call it yeah is just such a gift yeah and this is and, so good to hear and, and <laughs> I love he's this. like hey I'm glad I'm on this podcast yeah. man right. I'm glad I'm hearing right. this right now this right. is yeah. encouraging well, what we said before we got on air was that Cliff was our our unseen partner yeah in, in parenting yeah, yeah and, totally um, yeah. yeah and I think we have that beyond the church as well yes. honestly I mean I I feel that in my school mm-hmm. you know I feel that in my kids mm-hmm. sports mm-hmm. um that right we are in this together and yeah. so I think that even as a parent when I can take that men mentality, you know, these are my partners in helping develop the character of my children. You know, I mean, we have some fantastic school, you know, teachers at our schools that are investing in the lives Mm -hmm. of my girls. We, you know, had some fantastic coaches that have invested in the life of my son. And, you know, and even I feel like a a responsibility to thank those people and and so that they realize their importance too, because speaking gratefulness into them also speaks responsibility into them that, you know, it's like, yeah, we're in this together. And they go, oh yeah, you're right. We're in this together. I'm going to, I'm going to really invest in in your kid. Right. And then by the same token to also, if there is a, is a, I have a young lady that I meet with every so often and invest in her. And then her mom always thanks me for doing that. Yeah. And um, so we can, we can partner in each other. We have these people yeah. pouring into our lives that are saying things to our kids that maybe they wouldn't hear from us. And then maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe I, I'm saying something into my girl's life that the girl that I mentor that maybe her mom would yeah. like me to say. And so we yeah. can be a team. We can be a community in yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. Can I tell a quick story? Oh, yeah. Um, we uh, have uh, a missional community for families with teens that all go to a specific school. So we have a lot of life overlap and and it's a newer gathering for us. Um, and then we also have a, we have some, not lifelong friends, but some families that we have invested in their college friends. And so we have purposefully invested in these relationships, honestly, for the last 30 years. And so um, for the last two years, we've been launching kids um, off into college. That's awesome. And both in my missional community and with this smaller group of families, we have have had the this beautiful opportunity to lay hands on these kids that are graduating and pray for them. Wow. And, and send them off. And um, I've done this three times now, and it is the most powerful time because mm. it's not just— 
And I'm I'm super grateful for people that have extended family units that are able to do this, but I don't have that. And so to have these families surround my kid who's launching into adulthood and to have a group of them launching together and we're Mm -hmm. laying hands on them and praying for them has just been this beautiful like culmination of, you know, several years of relationship where we're involved in each other's kids' lives. And I just think, I just want to multiply that times a hundred, you know, that, that our teens are launching into adulthood with multiple adults praying for them and sending them, you know, as missionaries, as people into their, into their lives. Yeah. A couple of thoughts on that. One is that uh, here at Bridgeway, not everybody that listens or watches this program obviously necessarily has to go to church or know the Lord. Um, but one of the things that we do around here is that we commission, which means basically if somebody's going to go off and do something important, we tend to bring them up before the church and all the church prays for them. And we lay hands on them. Well, you're giving that same respect and value to these young people. They're launching their lives, right? So people are gathering around and laying their hands on them, you know, just gently on their shoulder and praying over them and saying, I want the best for you. Uh, one other thing is that when you said it moves me to tears, because I had an emotional response as well. And I want to just point out why that is. This is our most treasured mm. possession that God has given us to care for. Yeah. And if you want to love me, love my child, yeah. Yeah. right? Because yeah. I may not need a lot from you, but if you invest in my child, Absolutely. man, it makes me want to cry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cliff, what were you going to say? Yeah. And I think something just to add on that, um, what, Two main things that a teen wants and needs when they walk into any space, whether it be home, church, school, anything, they want to be known and mm-hmm. they want to be loved. Um, and I think that's a great example of how to be known and loved because yeah. you you pray yeah. for them and you send them out into a, an area where they're unknown, right? And mm-hmm. they, they go to college or they go to a public high school or they go wherever they are and they're like, I don't know if I can really present myself as who I am because I'm not known anywhere. Yeah. But if they have a support from the home yeah. or anywhere else where they're like, okay, I, I know I can talk to them and support them yeah. because I'm known and I'm loved. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of different ways for us to communicate that. That's yeah. that's one way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when they walk into to youth group, I'm always telling my leaders, hey, make sure that you know their name, yeah. you know what school to go to and they know mm-hmm. you know their, their niche. Like, like, what do they right. love to do? Is it yeah. sports? Is it, you know, drama? Is it band? Yeah. Like, what is it? Because yeah. as soon as a kid feels like they're known, then they're able to open up. And then you start having these conversations that right. at the end of it, you're like, wow, I had a really good conversation with my teenager because you broke down that wall and he or she's like, okay, I can tell you a little bit more now yeah, because so good. I feel like I'm understood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They can't right. belong until they're known. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, and I don't want to cut anybody else off if you have something to say, but um, I want to kind of transition to the idea of communicating with teens. Um, There are some nuances, and once again, you do one thing with the younger teens and another thing with the older teens, like we were talking about development. But um, I I just want to say that as a speaker, right, that's what I do for a living. I'm a speaker. When I come in to speak for Cliff's uh, youth group, right, it is a whole different ball game than when you speak to adults. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like literally, I will go in there and I'm it. 
I, I love it. You know, I'm not sitting here trying to brag. I'm just saying that I've been received <laughs> really well uh, by adults, and I walk in there and feel like an instant it's, failure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The a whole minute I hit the room, yeah. why? Because they're all staring at you like, and there's no response. <laughs> right, right. Yep. There's faces. nothing on their face. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like, and and then the whole time you're trying to get emotional and passionate because they want you to be interesting. Yeah, right. So you're putting all this passion forward. The face <laughs> never changes. Yep. And then at the end, nothing happens, and it just dies. And you're like, oh, my goodness. Story of my life. I am, yep. yeah. 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 You're like, I'm a failure. Yeah. I'm terrible at what I do. Yeah. And then I kid you not, once everything starts to disperse, some kid will come up and with a blank face goes, uh, you really touched my life tonight. And, uh... and then you find out later they told their parents, everything changed this evening when yeah. Pastor Lance spoke. You will never even know that. Yeah. Okay. So my point was the lack of response sometimes when you're trying to talk with your teen. Any any thoughts on that? Well, well, I'll just say that you know when you have littles, you never have any time to yourself. You know, we get tired of hearing our own name, mom. <laughs> yeah. Mom, and mom, and mom. you know, and we just look for moments. You know, you hear young moms talk about hiding in the closet for just a few minutes yeah, in the bathroom. So then, right. Yeah. And then you have teens and they're hiding in their rooms. Yes. Oh and, yes. And you're like, I really totally miss yeah. my kid. And where did my kid go? <laughs> right. And then they have their friends and then they have more sports and they have more activities. Yeah. So in, you know, I, you know, this is kind of a learning curve for me is that there seemed to be a sweet spot in the day and different for each kid of when they wanted to open up, mm-hmm. when they wanted to talk. And it wasn't up to me to go in and, and break the door down and say, it's now. Yeah. You know, because that, that, it wasn't the time. They weren't in the mood. Yeah, so, so good. when they are in the mood and they are ready to open up and they are ready to tell you about their day, you kind of need to be on. Yeah. You kind of need to stop what you're doing, if at all possible, and say, this is my window. I need to so sit down. Yeah. I need to be present. I need to take advantage of this window because I may not get this window again for a couple of days. Totally. I mean, I'm just being, I'm being honest. I mean, there are seasons where, you know, like a good 45 minute quality conversation with my kids a day is, is a huge win. It's a success. Like oh, we're yeah. actually sitting down and talking. That's amazing because then they're off. They're yeah. off. They're doing homework. They're doing sports. And and they're busy. And so you so got to take advantage yeah. of the window. Sometimes the window is at midnight. <laughs> yeah. And and that's that's not easy for, the, for, the, for the mom that likes to go to bed at 945. That's not convenient for me. So I have to create space in my life to sometimes get up at midnight and hear about the day because that may be the only. Yeah. The only window. That I'm going to get. It yeah. sounds like we're talking about a nature show. Yeah. Right? Like, we're approaching the koala bear. Yes. And don't disrupt it, yeah. right? At yeah. some moment, it will wake up for 15 minutes. Yeah. And then you got to hurry up and snuggle with right. it before right. it's right. gone, right? right. But, but that's the case. Yeah, they yeah. yeah in the summer, they sleep yeah. till 11. Before oh, totally. they, That window before they have jobs. Yep. Or if they don't have, you know, early morning swim or something, they're sleeping till 11. I've already lived half my day by 11. Oh, totally. And... And it's just completely different. So it, it's just helpful to know that that there are these opportunities and just to jump in and not to panic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just try to enjoy that yeah. they're sleeping in for the first time. Yeah. You and, know, and that you're yeah. not getting up at 5 a.m. with your yeah. small children. Yeah. And you can't force it. 
Right. So it's like, you know, you like you just can't force a friendship. You know, you, right. you can't force that special conversation so or bond. Right. Um, and yeah, my girlfriend and I joke that, um, you know, teenagers are like bears. You know, you're like, okay, <laughs> do I approach now? Do I don't know. Is this the right, mm-hmm. you know? And, right. I, and, and my husband and I say often, timing is mm-hmm. everything. everything. Timing is everything. I mean, it's like, and, and not that we need to, you know, treat them like we're walking on eggshells. They're not yeah. bipolar, yeah. but, but, but timing is super important around everything. I mean, whether you're asking them to do the, do the dishes or you're asking them how that hard conversation went with a friend. I mean, it, I cannot express yeah. enough how important timing is. Yes. Yeah. There, there's levels of drama that are going on in their minds as they're developing. So for example, you know, back in middle school or junior high or whatever, you could, get together with another person, become boyfriend and girlfriend and break up by lunch. And yeah. so when you have I love a, those stories. When you yeah. have a firestorm of change happening yeah. around you, when your parent just suddenly interjects yeah. into the wrong season and you're like, I'm not even listening. To, I don't even know what you're doing right now. Like I'm so lost right now. Any thoughts on this stuff, Cliff? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think time is a huge thing, but I think also too when we talk about this idea of communicating with our teens is I think a lot of times we need to go to them um, instead of allowing them to go to you. And I think when I think of going to them and making sure that they they know that you're there is social media because I think most, talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So most of the time, a teenager most most every day they're on social media at some at some point. Um, and I actually was listening to another podcast. I'm referencing a podcast and a podcast and, um, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Don't go there. Stay right here. <laughs> totally exactly. kidding. Um, and the, this guy, he was a social media pastor for, uh, uh, church North, North point. You've heard of it before. And yeah. yeah, yeah. In Atlanta. And which I was like a social media pastor. That's so weird. But, um, he was kind of talking about as, as a parent, um, in the modern age, you cannot parent effectively if you don't have a social media account yourself. Mm. And what he was talking about was this idea that you need to know what your kid is doing during the day. Because a lot of times in Instagram now, you have these stories and you want to know what your kid's doing during the day. Look at their story. Because something weird happened at lunch or, you know, this person asked this person out and this friend is is doing this. So if you really want to know what your kid is doing and know how to have really awesome conversations and go where they're at is having mm-hmm. a social media account. Um, and I know a, a lot of us were like, oh, well, that might be invading privacy. But the whole point of social media is to be public. So if they put something on social media, then they're probably saying that it's, it's okay for you to look at it as their parent. Um, but I, I really think that's that's important because what ends up happening is this you see something on social media where your kid posts a picture and someone responds to it in some way whether it says something weird that you don't understand some teen lingo that you mm-hmm. don't understand and you go to their room that night and you're like why why did this happen why did they comment that and they explain to you some part of the teen communication and yeah. so you understand and then boom they're known more and right. then they can tell you a little bit more about, hey, this is why this happened and this kind of made me feel this way. And then you can start speaking life over them, be like, don't listen to these comments. Mm-hmm. You know, l- let me tell you who you truly are, a, a son, daughter of the king. And um, I love you. Your your God loves you. And boom, you're having a conversation that started with you going where they're at. 
Right. Um, yeah, that's super good. That is good. super really good. good. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit, and we, we're going to probably circle back around to social media. I don't know how we're not going to keep hitting that one. Yeah, so, it's um, important. Yeah. We, I'm sure you got, obviously, some, some more thoughts on that. But, yeah. but I want to talk a little bit more about communication. Um, one of the things that I think that I've seen, um, primarily in, in Susie, I think, um, my, my wife, personally, was letting your kids talk and not immediately judging yeah, it, it's so good. really, really hard when somebody says something to not have a reaction, yeah. right? So because you also are seeing them as littler than they are, or you're you're defensive over them, or you immediately want to try to corral the behavior, that they start sharing something personally, you jump in there and yep. shut it down. Right, yeah. Uh, Hun, can well, you share a little bit sure. on that? Well, I remember specifically, Jill was maybe... Oh, seventh, eighth grade. And she was telling me about a teammate who had gotten in some trouble. And it seemed like a pretty big deal for the eighth grade, you know, like yeah. it was like something that that really scared me. And I had this really huge reaction. Yeah. And this, well, we need to stay away from her. And oh, my gosh. And I could see my oldest. This was Jill. I could see her kind of shut down. Yeah. And I could see. Yes. And I could see that that she didn't want to tell me anymore yeah. about that story. And I thought, wow, I, I really messed that up. And then I think you and I had a conversation later and and we just sort of, you know, made a shift and and we just sort of instead of just having this huge reaction, just yeah. like, you know, listening and then, well, how did you feel about that? Yeah. And then, well, gosh, that's bound to happen. And you know, do you feel tempted or is any, you know, just having yeah. asking a lot of questions and really having sort of more of that poker face rather than this huge reaction because so you're not going to like every friend that they're associating with and yeah. you no longer get to control yep. all of that. You can guide, you can speak into that, you can encourage, yeah, discourage, but yeah. you, if you come along and, and just, you know, make a dogmatic something they're yeah. they're gonna not they're gonna pull away and so what you're trying to do in this season is you're trying to look for all the ways that you can bond look yeah. for all the ways that you can build trust look for all the ways that you can be their advocate and walk them through these things and let them feel empowered yeah to make some decisions themselves yeah. about who they are surrounding themselves with rather than just dictating who that is and a lot of that just comes from listening from conversation, from just, you know, when you have that moment to impart something, yeah, take it, yeah, <laughs> speak into it, you know, like, like what Cliff said, and then, and, and just kind of always like testing the waters, so to speak, of when your time is to share. Yeah. yeah I want to hear a second, because I think Heather, you probably have some insights on that as well, but, but um, the idea of it also is about you judging their friends, right? So, uh, for mm. example, a lot of times that yeah, you'll think, "Well, point. I'm not judging. I'm not judging my daughter or my son. I'm talking about their friends." The yeah. problem is, is that when the you friends do are that, not right. only are their friends super critical to them, yeah. and they feel judged a little bit, but they also know. I may do that behavior and I just threw it out commenting that my yeah. friend did that. You just swung around and attack them yeah. and they didn't even realize it. So um, kind of just just as a, a parent, the idea of listening in 
and and hearing their heart and not immediately judging. Any thoughts on that one, Miss Heather? I mean, I think everything Susie said is just yeah, spot on. And 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 I, I mean, two things. One, I have made that mistake as well. Sure. You know, I'm sure. just like, oh shoot, should have yes. kept my mouth shut. <laughs> right. You know, well, you, you can see it on their faces. Yeah, if you're paying do, attention, it's like oh, you I'm, went yeah. oh, Whoops. I really messed that up. Yeah. I gotta do that different next time. Yeah. If I get, if God, please give me that opportunity again. Give yeah. me another chance to do that better. Yeah, and I and I'm sure you've done this too. I'll even just circle back around and say, and I'll apologize. Yep. Oh man, I just I spoke too quickly. Please forgive me. And I've even had a time when, you know, I just I don't know. I just went off at the mouth and um and and said some you know said some things that I regretted. And you yeah. know, and I was like, man, that was super judgmental of me. I, that was not appropriate. You know, and so I think yeah. that builds trust as well yeah, totally. because they realize that yeah, we're struggling with some with some stuff and we're Absolutely. trying to be open. And affirm them, but we also have some reactions at times right. as well. Right. We can't shut down our ability to input. Right. Which we want to. We yeah. wanna we wanna jump on those things. Yeah. But that actually shoots us in the foot. Yeah. If we can just take a minute and listen, then we actually have more opportunity to speak up. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like empathy, I mean, that is, mm-hmm. you know, you just can't emphasize enough how important empathy is. Yeah, that's in, really good. In in the interaction yeah. and just that, wow, you know, mm-hmm. what, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. What are, what are some of your, you know, what, what are you wrestling with in the midst of your friend doing right. X? Right. You yeah. know, how does that affect you? Right. Um, and trying to relate too. Yeah. tell a, tell a personal story. You yeah. know, I, yeah, I'll I tell say, a yeah. lot of things about like what I struggled with in high mm-hmm. school or, or where I had a hard time, or even in my day to day, if I yeah. have a friend issue, I'll share my own friend issue, and I go, "Gosh, I really, yeah, I understand that. I understand what rejection feels like. Oh, yeah, there was a time I was left out on social media yeah. too, yeah, and and that feels really bad. Yeah, and then they think, oh, okay, and and again, we can have those conversations like with what you said by empathizing. Yeah, yeah, vulnerability is is so important. Yeah. If you if you have that conversation and you're like, hey, I made this really horrible decision when I was your age, yeah, and when I when I was a party or whatever, and then this is why I'm coming on so hard, right? Because I've I've made mistakes, and I don't want you to make those mistakes. Of course, yeah. Teenagers don't like that phrase because they're like, "I'm not you," right? They're like, "I'm I'm not going to be you. I'm not as dumb as you." I've heard that said before. <laughs> um, but I think if you come in, you're like, "Hey, I, I understand where you're at because this has happened to me." They they're more likely to talk to you. Yeah. They're more likely to be like, oh, I can trust you a little bit more because you actually have gone through this and yeah. you do kind of understand what it's like when a boy makes this comment about me or a girl makes this comment right. about me because you you struggled with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, along the same lines, just real briefly, wanted to uh, comment on the issue of privacy and confidentiality. Very quickly, your teenagers realize that sharing anything with you is a risk. Right. Either whether it's a judgment of your own personal thing or you're going to go tell somebody else or it's going to Mm -hmm. come back around. Um, Does anybody have any thoughts about the idea of confidentiality and um, privacy? So uh, I'll just lead it. Um, I'm a public speaker. I say things out loud. We have this funny dynamic in our house where my kids are like, hey, you're not allowed to share this. Hey, you're not allowed to share that. Like I have to sign like a (laughs) non-disclosure agreement all the time. And I have violated that a couple different times. Mm. And ultimately it creates distance. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so any any thoughts on that, Hun, that you would like to share? Well, yeah. I mean, just back to that same thing is is if you want your kids to trust you, then it's it's really got to go on lockdown. Yep. And um, you don't get to talk to 
other moms yep. about that. Um, the the priority is that your kids will come to you, will trust you, and um, and you just you just got to keep it to yourself. That's yep. just all there is to it. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? I know that. Uh, how about you, Cliff? In terms of because you have uh, my context is a little bit different. Well, sure. it is different, but yeah. I think it's important. So, for example, you mm-hmm. and I have had to walk through some times when we were mandatory reporters. Yes. So there's a yes. confidentiality. They share things at youth group that mm-hmm. they wouldn't share at home. You end up having to notify parents exactly of it's a critical issues. Yeah. But yet at the same time, they go, well, I'm only telling you this. You can't tell anybody. Yeah. And there are certain things that trigger over into a mandatory reporting. We end up getting the authorities involved. Definitely. Yep. Um, so thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, there's there's been multiple conversations that I've, I've had with students where my leaders have had with students and they come to me and they're like, oh, man, like this is happening. What do we do about it? Yeah. And it really depends on the situation. Yes. Yeah, um, sure. You know, I, I can tell you bunch of different examples, but that would violate confidentiality, right? <laughs> right. Um, but there's situations where the, the student is really getting hurt in some way. Yes. Sure. And it's like, okay, is this something parents do, need to know? And if a teenager is getting hurt, if a teenager comes up to me and is getting hurt, like in a lot of different ways, then their parents definitely need to be notified. It's a different ballgame. It's a way right. different ballgame. But yeah. if if a teenager comes to me and was like, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this, like I, I need help. Well, yeah, sometimes I tell the parents, but a lot of times to give the teenager the safeness of right. yeah. church and of their pastor, right. I don't tell their parents. Now, there's an opposite side of this because I've also had conversation with parents about their teenager where yeah. they t- come talk to me, Cliff, all of this stuff is going on. What do I do? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then I've messed this whole situation up before. I went straight to the teenager and was like, hey, what's going on? Like your parents and I talked and then... I totally understand that thought because (laughs) I saw it just totally break down. And that kid honestly hasn't really talked to me much since. Mm. Yes. And I totally, so on the opposite side where when parents talk to their healthy role model, they have to understand that there has to be some sort of like, Hey, let's keep this between us and try to work and be a team and help out this teenager without them knowing. So there's a two, two sides that I I come come into it. So I I think, the, even the overriding theme of of having teens is there isn't really a black and white. Yeah, yeah there isn't. Um, it's yeah. a lot of gray. Yeah, it's a and, lot of gray, and it's really and it's really frustrating. Yeah, and yeah. there's and it's like it's more like strategy. Yep. Sometimes, yeah. and you have to try different things, and you have to see what's working, and then you learn from where you mess up, and then you go, oh, okay, I, I can do that better, and then you pray through that. Yeah. And you, have a discussion with your spouse and, yeah. and 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 things like that. But I think that's such a such a good point that each situation needs to be evaluated for that situation. Yeah, and yeah. It, it also depends on who the teen is. If this totally. if this teenager is one who tells everybody everything, then it's okay that you guys had a conversation. Right. You go to them, and they're like, "Oh, okay, I probably would have told them anyway," you know. But if it's a teenager who rarely ever talks Very about private. anything, yeah, and then you they come talk to me, and then I go violate it to their parents or vice right. versa, like it. They they shut down yeah. completely. Yeah, yeah. Completely. so true. It's um in kind of preparation for the podcast, I asked my kids, you know, so what 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 are you hearing from your friends that you know you they're kind of complaining about their parents to you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, which that, they do that all the time. That we would want you would want us as parents to tell other parents. Ooh, that's um, good. And one of the things that came back to over and over and over again was that trust, right? Mm -hmm. That my parents, I want my parents to trust me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that, and that just needs to be negotiated each individual, you know, each relationship is individual. But then the other thing was that one of the things that breaks down trust is anger. 
that they don't tell their parents things because they feel like their parents will get mad at them. Yes. And so I think that there's, you know, we're still on this topic of, really of communication, you know, that I think that we as parents have to be super aware, not just of our, you know, kind of body language and our responses, mm-hmm. but but our own triggers. You know, what are the places that we're, yeah. where are we getting frustrated? Where are we getting angry? Because every time that those little things sneak in, we're, sh- we're, br- we're shutting down trust. We're shutting down so communication. Um, and that was from all three of my kids. Yeah. All three of them said it in different ways. Yeah. Anger shuts down communication. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. There's another element of uh, communication that I just want to address before we move forward. And that is, yeah, I believe that we need to be um, leading our children by encouragement, by affirmation. It's much better to, you know, uh, draw them with honey and not vinegar, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. the, if you're a constant no parent, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't, I don't kind of believe that that's the healthiest way to do it. Now, there are times that correction is necessary. There is times when you have to say no. You're yep. a parent. You're not you're not just a best friend. You're not a buddy right, all right. the time. There's a time when you got to go, you know what? There needs to be a boundary here. Um, I want to talk about that. Like what really has an impact? How do you really correct well? What is a way maybe not to correct? And I'm going to lead it off with this thought. Respect, respect, Respect. Yeah. And I know that that's a key thing for you. Any sure. thoughts on that? Well, I just, you know, sometimes I have a reaction that's that I take it personal. Yeah. Something that they have done. How dare you? You know, but if I can take a breath and just have a measured response that they're still in training, yeah. they're, they're going to mess up. And it's my job to remember the timing and to have a, to respond and then to, you know, coach through that and, and and implement discipline or a change or something if I think, but, but in that loving way, yeah, not in the anger way or the yeah. frustrated way or the, how dare you take it personal way. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else help me out with respect or whatever thoughts that you had. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut that off. Um, I, I think in regards to respect for my context, I think a lot of times it's not my job to discipline. Um, because at the end of the day, I tell my leaders all the time, Hey, if we discipline in a different way, their parents do, then we're totally fighting against this team that we're trying to build. So I think a lot of times when, when a student is maybe in response or being disrespectful in some way, there's gotta be some initial, Hey, this is not allowed. This is not what we want. But also at the end of the day, that's the best time for, for me to communicate with, with their parents Mm -hmm. being like, okay, this, this is, this is what happened. And I think one of the respect things is they view respect as, Hey, I'm an adult. Treat me like an adult. And I, I don't think yeah, that's how whoops. respect is, is <laughs> no <laughs> defined as right. Yeah. It's um, earned. It's exactly, it is earned. And I think it's a two way street. Um, yeah. if you, if you totally. want them to show you respect, then you need to respect them. Um, when they make decisions, even though it may be wrong or right, you're like, all right, let's see what happens. And you giving them that ability to act on their decision-making is like, okay, maybe, I can respect my parent because they see that I maybe have an idea in my head that I want to run with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And we only bring external control when they're not able to bring internal control. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, and our kids know that, you know, I mean, it's like 
We would always prefer for them to self-manage first, to, mm-hmm. to self-motivate, sure. to, yeah. to have a game plan or an action plan. You know, So again, we do a lot of that discussing, how are you going to handle this? How are you going to handle that? And this is across the board from homework to cell phone usage, You know that right. we would prefer for them to come up with how they're going to manage it with our guidance. Right. But if they're unable to, then we will bring the yes. external control right. Right. Um, because it's... You know, it seems like this is still there's some struggle here. There's some immaturity here. Um, so let let us help you figure out how to get this a little more internally managed. Right. So I, I, that might sound a little gray, but it, but those are the the two categories. I for thought us. it sounded great. I think it's great because when when they go off and, and move out, yeah, go to college. Totally. We want them to feel equipped that they yeah. have learned to manage their time. That yes. they have don't have that fear of missing out, and they can say no yeah. to a social event if they've been to four social events already that week yeah. and they need to settle in and do homework or yeah. whatever that is and how to balance all of those things. You know, yeah. they're balancing a sport, sometimes a job, driving, yeah. friends, social media. It's a lot. And so, yeah. but we want to equip them to handle yeah. Yeah. those things under our umbrella, under our little protection, but to launch them. Yeah. yeah I think so, oh. also saying the words, good job goes a long way. Totally. Yeah. You, you know, they, they do something and it's whether it's sports, school, anything, managing time, yeah, yeah. you say, Hey, I just want to tell you, good job. Yeah. Like so good. that goes a, a long way. Yeah. Cause so they're like, good. Oh, they'll lean into it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Oh man, I want to get that again. Oh, yeah. so good. <laughs> and and, and we all like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Celebrate. Uh-huh. Celebrate. Well, yeah. If someone tells me I'm doing something good, I'm going to just do more of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 A super practical it, 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 example for us with this was it, my son who, um, m- graduated, but stayed home. And so we were really intentional about, okay, well, he could be moving into a dorm room last year, but he didn't. So what can we put in place here at home that continues to move that needle to to launching? That's super smart. And so, you know, all up in his high school years, we, we, TVs, computers weren't allowed in their rooms. That's just one of our rules. And that was one of the things we did when he became a freshman in college he could now have his computer in his room because yeah. if he had moved into a dorm room, his computer it. would have been in there. Right. So it's like, okay, we have had external control over this thing. Right. And now it's time for you to transition to internal control yeah. over this thing. Yeah. And, you know, we might not see him for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> but if he had moved out, we wouldn't have seen him anyway. Right. That's but that's, right. but they're that learning so to smart. adult. They're learning to exactly. adult. And we have to... Let them figure it out a little bit. Yeah. Um, we yeah. have to let them figure out that there is a consequence to, you know, days of TV or days yeah. of phone use. Or, and if yeah. they're not getting responsible, being responsible, they're not going to feel good about right. themselves. Yeah. And yeah. they have to feel a little bit of pain so they can grow a little. And the challenge for us is to watch them and to give them that rope. Yeah. To do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then not say, I told you so. Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) To just let him have the learning and go, oh, yeah, that's really good. Good insight, honey. It is is painful. (laughs) I've told you that before. Why are you just now getting it? Painful to watch. Painful to watch the, you know, procrastination, the 11th hour of doing assignments, the forgetting, the, you know, I might remind, you know, one of my girls, hey, did you email that person back? Did you text that person back? But then I got to let it go. Yep. And it's so hard. Uh, it's so hard. Teenagers. You know, you know, um, 
I think that we could probably take forever in talking about different correction elements because they're they're challenging. Uh, the one that I would like to bring to the table is just that parents would not merely react but have purposeful correction. Mm. Like, using it still as a training element as yeah. opposed to you just tick me off and now I'm going to explode on you. Right. That rarely is is productive. Um, uh, so once again, uh, you mentioned something there, Miss Heather, that I'm going to transition on, and that was cell phone usage. Um, perhaps the greatest portal for young people to social media or to social connection is actually their cell phones. So it's almost like these cell phones, those of you that are watching the podcast, right? I'm holding a cell phone, but it's almost like this is a window, right? Where they can go through and contact everything. If this is shut off, they feel shut off. Yeah. But at the same time, there are pros and cons to that, right? So it's a little window. I'm not interested in scare tactics. I'm not interested in any of that. I think being wise as to where the portal goes and what doors go to dangerous zones and what doors go to great zones. Um, I, I think that already Pastor Cliff has shared with us, we need to know a little bit about what's going on inside these, yeah. right? Yeah. In order for us to to parent well. But the area that I wanted to focus on mostly was that it becomes a block sometimes in trying to communicate it. I think we as adults are already stuck to our phones. I think kids are struggling even more with it, right? Where once you're on your phone, everyone else live cease to exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So any thoughts or helps on the issue of cell phone usage or social media? Yeah, I think I think the couple things that comes to mind, uh, I think has already been talked about on this this podcast. Um, I know uh, Dr. Uh, Gluck talked about this and his wife, this idea of having the charging stations of their phones in yeah. the parents' room. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's hugely beneficial. <laughs> Super beca- smart. Because if you are charging your phone in your parents' room, that's when you have start having random conversations and you start just laughing as as a family mm-hmm. and you know even though maybe your your teen is more like closed off but if you're sitting in the same room that their phone is they want to be in there <laughs> you know which is like a a, a weird thing you're right? luring them in They're, you're luring them in exactly but uh, i think that's that's super good um but also something i heard i was having a conversation a couple of weeks ago and this parent I had this idea and they asked me if it was good. Um, If they all, everybody, including the parents and the teenagers and everybody in the house shut off their phone at 8 p.m. And then from 8 p.m. till whenever they go to bed um, or just until the next morning, nobody has their cell phone on them and it's in a room in a basket. So that entire time, everybody is offline. And that also means parents and teenagers. Now, different context is different because a lot of a lot of people need to communicate around that time. But having a set time where everybody's phone is gone, including the parents, I think that would be uh, super super beneficial for relationships, conversations. And I know for me, I'm as soon as my phone's in my pocket, I'm always thinking, oh, who's going to contact me, or what do I need to do? And I'm an adult, and mm-hmm. you know, teenagers feel the same way. Like, who, who's posting on social media? Yeah. Who um, who's texting me? Like, is anybody hanging out right now? Like, all those things. And I think if you have a time where everybody's technology, phone wise, is is gone away from the picture, it allows some personal interaction and teenagers learn how to have conversations face to face. You know, it's complicated because also you would love to collect everybody's cell phones when they walk into youth group because they're on it during worship, but at the same time, and speaking, but at the same time, there's a reason why you don't, you know what I mean? So it's a little complicated. So moms, can you help me out a little bit on your challenges or maybe insights with cell phone usage, stuff like that. Any, any of you have anything? Want me to start? Um, We're constantly navigating it. Yep. Um, I, I think one of our, what, 
one that's been super consistent for us is no cell phones at the dinner table. Yeah. So we yeah. have been able to do that. And and everybody polices each other. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like if Dave or I show up with our cell phone at the table, hey, we're having dinner, no, no cell phones at the table. Yeah. You know, um, so that's been that's been a constant um I think our entire teenage years. The other ones is more negotiating um, and we'll get, you know, we'll have good boundaries for a while and then everybody will get kind of lazy and then we'll go back to good boundaries. And so, sure. I don't feel like this is a huge strength for us, but but the table, we've won at the table. (laughs) Yes. That's a victory. Take that win. Yeah. Well, and we're like the pilot parents. Yeah. Of this. We didn't really have a long a lot of people to go before us to pass down this wisdom. And and so it it's definitely been really a challenge. You know, Lance and I were blessed with girls that do actually like to talk to us. So when yeah. we have that window, they they talk and we don't have cell phones at the dinner table because we en- enjoy yeah. each other. But we have and I I wish we could go back and do that at a certain hour. Yeah. Everybody put the cell phones. But sometimes realistically, you know, my daughter was in soccer three nights a week and her homework started at nine thirty. And sometimes right. that involved talking to peers or group projects. And, and so it just wasn't always practical or or realistic. Sometimes that's her social time. If, if she was in a sport all afternoon, well, that was her time. Totally. Right. To talk. Oh yeah. And, and her bedtime's midnight or something a lot of nights. And so it wasn't, it wasn't always practical, but having, we do have a lot of conversations about it. We all are on guard about it. We talk about what's appropriate um, in terms of pictures that you're yeah. posting or what other people are posting and and things like that. A lot of conversations. Yeah. I think that's the the strength of us and then the weakness of us is that we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. And and we're trying to stay one step ahead of them and it's hard. Yeah. Um we're gonna hit one last very quick topic um, because we don't have time to go into, you know, we had prepped a lot of stuff about talking about their friends and what about friends that are good and what about friends that are challenging and, you know, parenting our children uniquely. There's a lot of stuff we could be talking about, but ultimately we ran out of time. So I would just like uh, a real quick thought maybe from each of you about how as Christian parents, do we keep Jesus in the mix? Like, is there anything that we can do without being preachy? You understand what I'm saying? So can we just kind of, I'm going to start with you, Cliff, because I think this is kind of a, something that you, you, you focus on a lot. Yeah. And I think a lot of parents, um, which is awesome. Talk, talk to me and ask me questions. Okay. How, how can we do this? How can we bring Jesus in the home, and I think a lot of a lot of the first thing that pops in my head when you when you ask this is, parents need to be um, engaging in some sort of um, healthy conversation, and mi- whether that be going to church or having a small group or having some sort of place where they themselves are getting filled, where they themselves can yeah, I think can, that's huge can yeah. go to their teenagers and be like, hey, I've I've gotten some wisdom from here, from this Bible study, from this church, or you know, wherever they go, where they get their fill, so that they can minister to their teenagers, to their to their kids. Because if they come home on empty, um, like a lot of parents do, because they have a long day at work, right. right? And they yeah. get home, and there's a lot of things that go on with a teenager's life where they think is really emotional. And as a parent, you can't really get to that empathy yet because yeah. you haven't had enough sleep, right? Um, but if you're getting filled somewhere else and you can come in and you can, you know, pray with your student, you can recognize those windows where you can encourage them and point them towards the truth. Um, and if you're not in the word yourself, then how are you going to be able to push your teenager towards the word? Yeah, yeah. you can't right? pull water from a dry well. Yeah. Exactly. Any thoughts on there, Miss Heather? Yeah. And I, and I think the, the more authentic 
you know, when I'm sharing what I'm learning, what God's putting on my heart, that's not preachy, right? That's just me yep. saying, yep. gosh, this is what God's doing in yeah, my totally. life. This is what God's doing for me. This is where God's convicting me. Um, I think it just, it's personal. Yeah. It's not a yep. sermon. It's not pushy. Right. It's, you know, God is yeah. real. It's yep. role modeling authenticity. Yeah. Final yeah. Mm-hmm. thoughts on that, hun? Those were my thoughts exactly. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, as we wrap up, I just want to remind our listeners that our kids are ultimately God's kids, right? So we're managing them for him and it's our job to empower them and help them thrive. We do that through discovering how he's uniquely made each and every one of them working with that uniqueness to help them become all that he designed them to be. I'd like to thank my guests here, Susie, Heather, and Pastor Cliff. Additionally, thank our audio engineer, Lucian Hughes, and our visual director, Brennan Stewart. Thank you to all of you, our audience. Thanks for joining us in this dialogue. We will be back in two weeks with a new episode of Engaging Culture. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.